This is the Young Visions Podcast. Hello and welcome to our pilot podcast. I'm Steve Hudson and this is Young Visions. This podcast has been produced by Young Visions using free resources available to anyone. Please don't expect it to be completely smooth, but here's what you can expect on our pilot episode. We'll talk about how coronavirus is affecting children and young people. We'll look at how immersive technology is supporting education during the pandemic. We'll have an interview with a senior leader at a secondary school near Worcester on how schools are having to adapt. And we'll hear from a Year 7 student currently studying from home. We'll also give you a brief prog rep or progress report of Young Visions in 2020, along with some cheeky self-promotion. So, let's get started. What is Young Visions? Well... Young Visions is a developing social enterprise for immersive technology and education. We create and deliver virtual reality content using 360-degree cameras aimed at supporting the learning of young people. Our products and services include a fully trained, fully vetted youth worker, that's me, delivering VR workshops on topics including mental health, homelessness and knife crime. And during this pandemic, we've also introduced some innovative new products, including iIntros, our 360 interactive introductions, and E360, interactive visual learning experiences bespoke to a setting's needs. Who am I? Well... As I said in the intro, I'm Steve Hudson. I am the founder of Young Visions. And the inspiration for Young Visions and the VR workshops came predominantly through my own learning style. Um, I, I never got on at all with school. I went to six different schools, three primary and three secondary. And, okay, I, I struggled quite a lot with ADHD when I was a kid and this meant that I didn't really engage with traditional learning methods. Of course part of the reason why I was unable to engage well at school along with the ADHD was because I had a really erratic childhood. Um, Home was not a great place and yeah it was it it was tough so by the time i was 16 i would be a homeless heroin addict sleeping on the streets i guess in many ways you could say that i am very lucky that i was young so young that by the time i was 21 I was off the streets, I was living in a council home and I had started to explore the idea of becoming a youth worker and a friend of mine said to me, why not look at the Prince's Trust because the Prince's Trust um, had a programme called 
get into and this was the the specific program for me was get into youth work and what that was that was a 12 week fast track course for my level 1 youth work certificate and that basically gave me the bug for youth work and working with young people over the next 7 years or so i would go on to work with several of bristol's biggest youth service providers and i see this as a very successful point in my life because i went on to run a number of initiatives and some projects um probably the one i'm most proud of wasn't a project as such it was an initiative i guess um I was also volunteering for an organization called Young Bristol as part of a youth action team to promote volunteering among young people. And at one of our events, I managed to speak to one of the speakers who I believe at the time was the chief executive of Fair Share Southwest. Some of you may know of Fair Share, who have um, been extremely busy during this pandemic, um, working to ensure that young people had meals to eat while schools were closed. And I know they worked with Marcus Rashford on some of that. And I mentioned to the chief executive of Fair Share Southwest that I also volunteered for an organization called Safe Place. And Safe Place worked with young homeless people in Bristol. And I thought that the young people that we worked with would benefit hugely from being able to access the food parcels that Fair Share offered. I know from my own time living on the streets that you'd go hungry. And I had to basically steal my food from supermarkets. Certainly not one of the proudest moments in my life. But the relationship with Fair Share and with Safe Place would last several years. And that remains one of my proudest achievements in youth work. I've always enjoyed working with young people and I enjoy running projects and coming up with initiatives to try and make life a little bit better. And now, of course, I'm working on Young Visions. And I've been fortunate enough on this journey to have met some incredible people because I, I, I knew nothing about virtual reality or immersive technology when I started. So I had to go and find people who could help me. And I found Bristol VR Lab and I found Bristol University, who I've worked with closely since starting this mission. And I'm grateful for the university for helping me move forward. And yeah, so ho hopefully um, Young Visions is just another chapter in my life and just another chapter in my youth work journey. And I hope that Young Visions can actually make a real difference.
how immersive technology is supporting distance learning. Augmented reality and virtual reality are becoming more accessible every day. Advances in phone technology and VR devices have made VR and AR more readily available. Around the world, we've seen immersive tech companies partner with education providers to present children with the best possible tools for learning from home. VR training simulations and virtual classrooms are just some of the tools being utilised. During the pandemic, many schools have been unable to reach prospective new students and share them around their grounds because they have closed to visitors or closed altogether. So to shamelessly plug some of our own products, towards the end of 2020, Young Vision started to produce sample content including 360 VR tours and interactive visual learning aids aimed at providing schools with the tools to welcome visitors in a uniquely COVID-secure way and to offer students engaging, interactive content. These will be permanent new services offered by Young Visions to complement our other activities and hopefully help fund our VR workshops once COVID-19 is behind us. For more details on all our services, just head to www.youngvisions.online. And for all our listeners, if you quote Young Visions podcast in your expression of interest, then we'll give you 75% off our interactive visual learning experiences. The immersive tech world is set to continue its exponential growth in this decade, and Young Visions aims to be at the heart of that development in the UK. This is the Young Visions Podcast. This next segment is called Riding the Rona Coaster. In a moment, we'll be hearing from an assistant head teacher at a mainstream secondary school near Worcester and from a year seven student currently studying from home. But first, we've taken some statistics from the Office for National Statistics and Public Health England with some information on how COVID-19 is affecting children and young people. Secondary school-aged children were most likely to test positive for COVID-19 in the weekend in the 2nd of January 2021. However, children of a similar age, 5 to 14 years, are the group least likely to be hospitalised with the virus. Most deaths and hospital admissions involving COVID-19 are seen in older people aged 85 years or over with those aged 65 years or over accounting for nearly 90% of deaths involving COVID-19 in England to date. The number of deaths overall so far in the last 12 months has been above the five-year average for all age groups above 14 years old. An ONS infection survey also showed that cases in school-aged children are rising faster than in any age group prior to the turn of the year. With me now is Melanie Palmer, who is an assistant head teacher at a secondary school near Worcester, and Alfie, who is a year seven student currently studying at home. Say hello, guys. Hi. In the name of full disclosure, I should say that Melanie is my beautiful and amazing girlfriend, and Alfie is her son. So to Mel first, Mel, as a senior leader at a secondary school, tell us a little bit about your experiences dealing with COVID at school. Um, so how you've had to adapt and the challenges you've uh, had to deal with. 
Um, yeah, it has been really challenging, actually, as you can imagine. Um, way back in March, when we first went into lockdown, it was a massive shock to the system to suddenly find schools were being closed. Um, and obviously we wanted to make it our mission to reopen and, and get pupils in. Um, getting pupils in back in full-time education was really, really hard. We had to um, put one-way signs around the school. We had to do different entrances and exits. We've had to have whole year groups in just one area of the school as opposed to having to travel all around the school. Um, signposting toilets. We've had to sanitise. We've actually made our own hand sanitizer in the chemistry labs. Nice. Um, yeah, because it's quite expensive. And actually, it was really um, in high demand. So we couldn't actually get enough um, hand sanitizer in. So we've made that. And yeah, spraying kids' hands, wearing masks around school, uh, trying to keep everyone as safe as possible um, has been a real challenge. But I feel like we've met it as best we possibly can. And how have the young people dealt with that? Really well, actually. They've been good. Um, it took a little bit of getting used to. We had to really clearly communicate all the rules to them. Um, but it's been so prevalent in the news and the media that actually they, they followed those instructions. They knew that we were keeping them safe um, and they've been doing really well. They've worn masks and they've sanitised regularly and, and followed instructions. So they've been, been really good. So of course, your school, like every school and like many restaurants and bars when they were open have had to do contact tracing or at least gather information uh, relating to um, positive cases and anyone who's come in contact with them. Um, how much of a disruption has that been to everyday schooling and, and basically just school management? It's been quite a big disruption actually. Um, we had to change classrooms in the first instance so Whereas normally groups of children would be sat together, facing each other. We had to rearrange all the classrooms so they were all facing forwards, um, which obviously cha changes your teaching style. Uh, two metre gap between the board and us and, and pupils. But then the biggest thing for us was having um, proper established seating plans that were appropriate to the spatial um, dimensions of the room, if you like. So, um, And then having si seating pupils all the time in the same place um, because as you know if a child is in with, within two meters of someone who's had a positive case then they are uh, effectively at risk of having covid and we've had to implement our own track and trace system because of that um, that was a challenge just getting all of those seating plans in place and then obviously uh, when we have had a child that's tested positive um, we've had to look at those seating plans and contact everybody within that within that two metre radius so that they can self-isolate. So it's, it was a big disruption for them and, and actually quite quite hard to set that system up. And what sort of scale are we talking about? So like, you know, at, at one point, how many children do you think were out of school? Just just off the top of your head, guess Yeah, um, quite a few actually at, at various points. So... For example, in a year group of around 170 pupils, if you just had one pupil that was a positive COVID case, um, then you'd probably have to look at between 30 to 70 pupils that have come into contact with them. And that would be through looking at our seating plans, so if they're in a different seat for maths, to English, to humanities subjects, all the people that have sat with. And then on top of that, pupils having to remember who they may have been with at lunch, or at break and then additionally um, 
the buses. We had to have seating plans on the buses and, and make those sorts of contacts. So it, may, it might have been 70 people for just one case. Um, probably at its worst, we had about 90 pupils out of year nine. And then, of course, in a year group, just slightly less in year nine of about 150 pupils, you've got to make the decision as to whether the whole year group is safest just being at home. So we've come to that decision on a number of occasions with year 11, where you've got one case, then you've got two cases and three cases, and, and pretty pretty soon you're having to take tra trace every single person and just cancel the whole face-to-face um, -face learning for the whole year group. Sounds like quite a task. It was, yeah, and it still is. <laughs> And as assistant head teacher, of course, you've been re you've been personally responsible for um, leading the preparation for distance learning. Mm. Tell us a bit about that. Oh, it's been crazy. So we just got put in charge, I guess, of trying to work out how distance learning would would work best. To begin with, we were saving things on SharePoint or on the pupil shared area for them to access from home. Um, but it quickly became clear that that was actually problematic for pupils to keep logging on. Um, so we started to investigate the use of Microsoft Teams, which none of us had ever heard of before. Um, so we had to, as a staff body, research it, trial it, pilot it, come out with a whole scale um, staff induction and CPD on it, um, put together our own booklets on how to use Microsoft Teams for staff, let alone pupils. Um, hold different training sessions just to get staff up to speed with how to use it and then of course get pupils using it as well but I'd say we're at a really good point now everyone's learned how to use it and they're, they're performing online lessons uh, and pupils are able to engage with them but it was I would say it was a, it was a massive mountain to climb um, and it's only been through steady grit and determination that we finally kind of feel like we can see the summit and, and we're getting there so on, on teachers then and, and your teaching staff, um, did they have many fears or concerns about um, remote learning and remote teaching? Yeah, well, a couple, I suppose, from staff point of view, if you're at home and you've got to connect from your home to another child's home, um, that actually kind of crosses a few boundaries that feel unnatural for us. We normally like to keep those things very separate and very private. So the, the prospect of you trying to connect with a pupil at home, particularly in a live situation, had a few little safeguarding concerns about cameras being on. Would your own kids be in the background? Would their family members be in the background? You know, what would happen if um, one child in the, in the lesson said something inappropriate and that was broadcast around different houses in Worcestershire? Um, so there were quite a few concerns. And really the nervousness of staff as would they get it wrong, you know, and, and what if something bad happened? Um, but I think trial and error and a little bit of practice and just diving in really showed that, that those fears were, were not necessary. You know, the pupils have been behaving really well with it. And then on top of that, the a really big fear really is the education of young people and whether that online platform would enable them to access the material properly because without being face to face with them, you just don't know whether they understand what you're talking about. Um, massive curriculum changes, you know, how do you teach something that for years you've been teaching in a face to face environment, then you've got to adapt the materials to uh, to suit the on online learning platform. Um, so really big concerns as to whether pupils were accessing the full curriculum to the best of their ability. 
And I guess the only other concern we've had is um, with those pupils that might not be engaging. Um, I, I know you know about this, but the whole massive concern is, can all pupils access these things? Some of them don't have the internet, some don't have devices, some if they do are sharing it, uh, parents working from home, siblings working from home, uh, and that's a real challenge to try to make education free, freely accessible and, and equal for all, regardless of their personal, social, economic circumstances. So on that then, what has the engagement been like among the children at your school? It's been pretty good actually. Um, uh, we're really lucky to be in a, in a, in a great school with pa parents who are supportive and pupils that really do want to engage. Um, so I'd say it's been a really high uptake, but of course we've had to strategically target those pupils that aren't accessing it. Um, so they're at home, maybe they haven't been to two, three, four lessons on the trot, maybe they're not handing stuff in, and um, we've had to keep our records up to date so that we can support them if necessary. Um, visiting homes, delivering laptops, delivering uh, Wi-Fi dongles to, to families that don't have it. Um, on the whole, it's been good, but obviously it's the most disadvantaged pupils that found it the most difficult to access. So it's been a challenge to try to support them as much as possible. How about enforcement? If the young people aren't engaging, how does your school respond to that? Well, we try to be as supportive as possible. So we've frontlined it with supportive phone calls home from form tutors just to ascertain what the problem is. And for some pupils, it's just a reticence, an unwillingness to learn. Uh, maybe they do just want to stay at home and just chill out, go on the Xbox, have fun, watch films. Um, you know, and who can blame them in the first instance? But after a while, it was apparent that we needed to support them. I'd say the, the measures are more supportive rather than enforcement. Um, because we're trying to get them to see the benefits of accessing that education. And of course, now we're at the point where the only way we're enforcing it, I guess, is to say, well, if you're not accessing your online learning and you're in, not engaging with your teachers or with your curriculum, um, then we are inviting you to come into school. Um, and most parents are supportive of that measure to try to get pupils in and uh, carry on with their education. Great stuff. Thank you, Mel. And, and I, I have to say, and I've said it before, that, you know, watching you at work, certainly for the first lockdown, um, was inspiring and, and watching <laughs> how mad you, you worked to try and get everything prepared. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think you did amazing. So thank, um, you. thank you on behalf of your children, I suppose, if, if they're happy that you've done that. Yeah. Um, we'll speak in a moment to Alfie, who will talk to us a bit about the young person's uh, viewpoint. Alfie, um, of course you are um, having to deal with schools closing and you are working from home, studying from home. Um, tell us a bit about that, how are you finding that? It's quite easy but there's some stuff which just doesn't really work that well, like if they say find this sheet and then you can't find it even after they, they've explained, uh, it just gets a bit confusing sometimes. So, yeah. It... Yeah, and, and I, I saw that as well whilst you were working yeah. um, 
last week um it was quite a challenge to navigate through all the different um tabs and folders and stuff to try and find a specific worksheet so that we could print it um are you missing school a little bit like not being able to see my friends is not that good but then you still get to see them on the xbox and you get to talk to them in lessons sometimes so it's it's not that bad and i and I don't miss school really, no. No, no, I wouldn't expect you to, to be honest. And so we touched on it just now about how you're finding, getting access to your school materials um, from home. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, it's it's difficult sometimes. Um, trying, to, trying to find my... Because um, there's two different websites, ePraise and Teams. And sometimes they set a sheet on ePraise, sometimes they set a sheet on Teams. And so, like, different the different teachers set them on different um, apps. So I bet that's yeah. tricky then, having to deal with all these different, different software, yeah. different websites, and, uh, yeah, nightmare by the sounds of it. Yeah, trying to find your timetable um, for each lesson. And then like going on your xbox at break and then knowing when to come off it to be able to do your next lesson so i just set a timer sometimes yeah and is that something that's easy for you to do yeah i just usually just set a timer for when my lesson's about to start go downstairs and get back on the computer and join the lesson Good stuff. And you said just now about um, speaking to your friends. One of the things you miss the most about being at school is the socialising, mixing with your friends. But you're able to do that on the Xbox and, and via your phone sometimes. Um, is that is that good? Is that irritating? I suppose you'd rather be face to face with them, right? Yeah, I'd rather be face to face. But then it's fun because you're playing a game with them on the same game. So... Yeah, it's it's different. Like being face to face is better, but on the Xbox it's quite good still and on the phone. Um, are there any other downsides that you can think of? Uh yeah, you don't really go outside as much when you when you're doing online lessons because at break you would usually go outside and eat your lunch with all your friends and just talk outside. Uh whereas now you don't really go outside. Because you're not going to really run outside on your own for half an hour. Warmer though, right? <laughs> yeah. Much warmer. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. So here's, here's a question that you might not be able to answer. But how do you think that school's closing will it affect your future? Um, I don't think it'll affect it that much, but it might a little bit. So with my English teacher, we usually do, we usually have to bring our book into class and then do a half an hour of reading. But whereas um, online, she said, um, uh, you can either do an hour of reading or just do a quick quiz on BBC Bite Size. So I think we we're missing a bit of a lesson there because whereas we would do like a reading test in that lesson or something like that. But we just read for an hour, so I'm just missing a bit of a lesson. But you're an avid reader, right? You enjoy yeah. reading. So tell tell everybody what you did when you were asked that when you were told you've got an hour to read. I was quite happy to be honest, because I, I read a lot of Naruto and manga and stuff like that. So I was just quite happy. 
because it's quite cool. Awesome, great stuff. Um, thank you to Mel, thank you to Alfie, and uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, see you soon. This is the Young Visions Podcast. So to a brief progress report on Young Visions, 2020, of course, was a tough year for everybody. Um, it did start off actually probably one of the most successful starts to the year for me personally. Um, in February, I passed my level three youth work qualification after five years of intense headache. It took five years. It took three or four different tutors. It took conversations and arguments with the college I was studying at and conversations with my member of parliament in order to get through this course. I can remember last Christmas spending much of it working on assignments. But February came and I passed and I am now a level three qualified youth worker. I include that in a progress report for Young Visions because I am Young Visions, at least to start with. In 2020, we had some good momentum to begin with. We had some dates in the diary for events and projects. Um, but unfortunately, like most, we had to scrap those or delay those. Um, that is the way it is. Unfortunately, we just had to deal with that. But towards the end of the year, we found some new light. We innovated and we brought forward some new products. More information on those products is available on our website at www.youngvisions.online. Now, as we move into 2021, we hope to build on that success and that innovation and to really gain a foothold in the education sector. So that's it for our pilot podcast. Um, thank you very much to our guests, to Melanie Palmer and to Alfie. And thank you to you for listening. Um, also, thank you to Anchor, who have this amazing um, application that allows you to create a podcast absolutely free. Um, it is incredible. So thank you to Anchor and thank you for distributing our podcast. And uh, hopefully we'll speak to you all again soon. Thank you for now. This is the Young Visions Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.